You are Locked On Packers, your daily Green Bay Packers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We said four quarters, all gas, no break. You guys did that today. Hell of a job. R-E-L-A-X. Relax. We're going to be okay. It is time. It is time. I feel like we can run the table. I really do. You are Locked On Packers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I am Peter Bukowski, and I cover the Packers for SB Nation and Packer Report. I cover the NFL around the internet, and you can follow me on Twitter at Peter underscore Bukowski. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked On Packers. You can like us on Facebook. You can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, on Spotify, on Google Podcasts, wherever you find podcasts. You will find Locked On Packers, the number one Packers podcast in the state of Wisconsin, and anywhere you find podcasts. And the show for fans who know what happened, they want to know why and how. Andy Herman is on the show today for Expert Tuesday. I uh, am hesitant to use that phrasing. <laughs> no, I, uh, I uh, Andy is great, and, and I just have to keep up our, our full rivalry for appearances. I have a reputation to uphold, guys. So uh, Andy is going to be on to talk about um, not mid-season grades, but coming off the bye week, Andy, uh, you know, he does uh, a, a play-by-play, player-by-player grading system that, you know, much like Pro Football Focus, uh, is is consistent to him and therefore, I think, useful in, in certain ways. He will tell you it's not perfect. Uh, neither is Pro Football Focus, and, and it shouldn't be taken that way, but I think it is a useful tool. And we're going to have a discussion about a lot of the impacts uh, that Brian Gutekind's moves made on this team, that in particular, I think, is a useful discussion to have, um, you know, in the in the wake of our self scout and and what this team is right now versus what it can be in the future, uh, et cetera, et cetera. What I want to start with, though, is Jadavion Clowney. He wrecked the game two weeks ago when Seattle beat the San Francisco 49ers. And he, he he has the fumble touchdown. He was essentially unblockable. And Joe Staley played in that game. Mike McGlinchey is still not 100% coming back from injury. Joe Staley out now. Did not play against the Arizona Cardinals. I, I want to compare what he did in that game to what the Packers can bring to bear to this particular game. Because the recipe for Seattle, it wasn't just that they're facing an offense for the first time that's good, them being the 49ers. And in this case, Seattle is a top five offense. Russell Wilson is an MVP candidate. But they didn't win the game because of that. They won the game because Seattle's defense came to play really for the first time all season. And Jadavion Clowney was a huge reason for that. Clowney had 11 pressures and four quarterback hits in that game. And the sack and the fumble and the touchdown. So he was a huge player in that game. Mike McGlinchey gave up five pressures in that game. Joe Staley gave up two. Well, last week against the Arizona Cardinals, Mike McGlinchey gave up six pressures. And Joe Staley's replacement, something called a Justin School, gave up eight. They were second and third in the league in pressures allowed last week. That's really bad. And now they get the most productive pass rushing group in football. At at the very least, the most productive pass rushing edge group 
in football. And if you don't think the Packers have someone capable of dominating a game the way Jadavion Clowney did, consider that for the season, Clowney and Zadarius Smith have exactly the same number of pass rush reps, 319. In that time, Zadarius has 57 pressures, Clowney has 44. And they both had their bye weeks now. I mentioned Clowney had those 11 pressures and four quarterback hits against the the 49ers. That same week, Pro Football Focus had Zadarius Smith for 12 pressures. And Mike Smith, the outside linebackers coach for the Packers, had him for 14 pressures despite not getting a sack. He can single-handedly wreck a game. But what is really working in the Packers' favor in this game is not just that Zadarius Smith can single-handedly wreck a game. It is that he doesn't have to. Because what he does opens up opportunities for Preston Smith. And now that Joe Staley is out, it's not just attack Mike McGlinchey. It's attack both of those offensive tackles because Staley... You know, he is he is depleted from what he was in his prime, but is still a very good player when healthy. He's not healthy and not expected to play on Sunday. So that means a backup. And what I think is fascinating is NFL Next Gen Stats has a, a way of tracking double teams. And Zadarius Smith and Jadavion Clowney have been double teamed at a rate pretty close to each other, Clowney a little bit ahead of him, a little over 26% for both of them. But Sidarius Smith is 10th in football in pass rush win rate at 25%. Jadavion Clowney, 26% pass rush win rate, which means essentially one out of every four pass rush reps that, that they engage in, they win. Preston Smith is fifth. And one of the reasons is he is double teamed on just 16%. Of his snaps. So when you have someone like Zadarius Smith, who can take over a game like Jadavion Clowney, but the team decides to double Zadarius, that leaves Preston Smith on an island one-on-one with your, in this case, likely backup tackle. That is that is what I would do if I were the Packers. I would say, okay, we're going to put Zadarius Smith to your side. He's going to beat Mike McGlinchey a couple times, and you're going to have to bring help. And when you bring help, we're going to put Preston Smith opposite him one-on-one and let him just take school to school. Please pardon the dad joke. And, and just as easily, you could flip it, okay? Anytime Zadarius Smith is matched up against our backup offensive tackle, we're going to give him help. Okay, now Preston Smith has Mike McGlinchey in what is likely a one-on-one situation. And if you're going to bring help to him, if you're going to use the guard to bring help, now you've got someone single-blocking Kenny Clark, or you've got someone single-blocking Montrevious Adams, or you have a single block on Dean Lowry, and that makes it easier for you to create gaps for blitzing linebackers. You blitz a safety, you bring Darnell Savage down and you send him, you bring, you bring Blake Martinez, you bring Ibrahim Campbell. It opens up so many possibilities for Mike Patton. And they should expect to be successful just rushing four because they've been successful doing that this year. And so not only can the Packers follow the Seattle recipe for locking down Jimmy Garoppolo, who had one of the worst statistical games of the year throwing the ball, 
could not throw the ball 10 yards down the field in part because he couldn't find time to do it, but he has not been accurate down the, down the field this year. He's been inconsistent. He's been turnover prone. When you have someone who can wreck a game the way Jadavion Clowney can, someone who can tilt the field the way Jadavion Clowney can, it, it so alters the way that your defense can play. And then so few teams have another guy. And this was the brilliance of what Brian Gutekinds did. A lot of fans thought it was overkill. I, I was like, okay, what is this? is crazy to spend this much on the pass rush. And, and not in necessarily a bad way. It is just essentially unprecedented for a team to go out and pay such a price for these guys and have them produce the way that they're producing. But this is the formula. This has to be what they envisioned when they went out and did this because if you hit on these guys, and they were very confident that they would, and and Mike Patton wanted these guys, the front office wanted these guys, and they were in a unique position with Kirk Olivadotti from Washington having coached on the same staff that coached Preston Smith. He was the linebackers coach in Washington, so they saw each other every day. And you have Milt Hendrickson, who was in the front office, a part of the Zadarius Smith uh, brain trust when he was drafted, a part of the organization as he came through. They were in a unique position to be here. This is what they envisioned when they made that move. This is what they saw. Two guys who, if you rush both of them, and, and they do drop Preston Smith in coverage a fair amount, maybe even more than I would like, but when you have both of them on the field, if you send a double team, the other guy is so consistently able to win his one-on-one matchups that you have a serious problem as an offense. And especially in a game like this where you have offensive tackles who have struggled, you have a quarterback who struggles with pressure, who is is prone to throw the ball out of the area of receivers, prone to throw the ball where there are defenders. This is a formula that Green Bay can not only copy but improve upon. Because Seattle doesn't have anyone nearly as good as Preston Smith opposite to Devion Clowney. Now they have Bobby Wagner. Green Bay doesn't have a Bobby Wagner. You know, they have K.J. Wright. Green Bay doesn't have a K.J. Wright. But they have a more talented secondary. A secondary that is going to catch balls thrown to it if, if Jimmy Garoppolo decides to throw them. And that, maybe more than anything, that combination is what I think really makes Green Bay uh, a very difficult matchup for the 49ers, especially right now without Joe Staley. The Freighter and the Medical College of Wisconsin Health Network offers many same-day care options to fit your busy schedule. Your health is important, so stay on top of it this football season. Take advantage of what is possible through one of the many convenient ways to get the care you need from the area's leading physicians. In need of primary care? Personalized care is delivered at more than 40 health centers and clinics throughout southeastern Wisconsin. Many locations offer Saturday and extended evening hours. You can even schedule that appointment directly online. Prefer to save yourself a trip? Schedule a visit site with your own doctor through the safe and secure MyChart app. Or request a virtual clinic appointment 24-7 and be seen by a board-certified provider in 30 minutes or less using your phone, tablet, or laptop. For more serious conditions, staff at urgent care clinics and emergency departments are ready to treat you when you need it most, even late at night. Whether in the comfort of your home or at one of many convenient locations... 
Freighter and the MCW Health Network staff will provide you with exceptional care rooted in innovation and discovery. To learn more about all these care options, visit www.freighter.com care or call 1-800-DOCTORS. The Freighter and the Medical College of Wisconsin Health Network, this is what is possible. All right, let's get to our conversation with Andy Herman. You can follow him on Twitter at Andy Herman NFL. Uh, you, you know him from formerly of Cheesehead TV. Now he is my colleague at Packer Report. Uh, you can listen to Pack a Day podcast if you want to. Find his work at Green Bay Nation, PFN 365. Andy, thanks for coming back on Locked on Packers. Hey, thanks so much for having me, Peter. Always appreciate it. I think this is time number three, if I'm not uh, mistaken. I always appreciate talking Packers with you. Yeah, one of the the few repeat guests that we've had on the show and and, uh, always enjoy talking to you. I think this is a perfect time to get your input because the Packers are coming off a bye. They did their own self-scout. We did a self-scout on the show where I went back and looked at, you know, some of the strengths and weaknesses of the team. But you are someone who puts together grades every week. You go through a a long and, and what I assume is an arduous process, a meticulous process to try and determine what's going on with Green Bay and and you had a tweet the other day that really stood out to me and it was about the improvement that this team had made at a couple key locations and it seemed to be due in large part to what Brian Gutekinds did this offseason in free agency. Yeah, it was really quite incredible. Uh, and it was three positions uh, specifically. And it was really the the three positions that Brian Gutekun specifically targeted. And that was, of course, safety, outside linebacker, and the guard position. And uh, for anyone that read my grades a season ago, those were really the three positions that I had graded far in the negative all season long and was really the most critical of. And if you kind of go back to the to the off season, um, you know, before they had kind of made these these big additions, I mean, they they couldn't field a successful team, frankly, with the players that they had on the roster. I mean, you look at guard, yeah, Lane Taylor probably would have been okay. You probably would have had maybe like a Lucas Patrick, maybe an Alex Light starting at right guard. Um, at, at edge, you know, they had Nick Perry, who's now out of the league. They had Kendall Donerson and Kyler Fackrell. Uh, that wasn't going to cut it. And then at safety, the, the leftovers really would have been R- Raven Green. You know, maybe they put Tremont Williams back there, I guess, but they, they didn't have the personnel to field anywhere near a successful team. They had to do something. This is a, a team that in the past kind of went the route of, you know, maybe we'll we'll grab a couple bargain bin free agents here or there. Maybe we'll grab some guys in late rounds. They weren't even opposed to necessarily filling positions with undrafted free agents. So to go out and get guys like Preston Smith and Zadarius Smith and Adrian Amos and Billy Turner, and then be aggressive in the opening of the draft and getting Rashawn Gary, Darnell Savage, and Elton Jenkins – Every single one of those players that I mentioned, guard, safety, edge rusher. Um, and it was obviously, a, you know, all three of those were positions that Brian Gutekind specifically targeted. Certainly wasn't a mistake. And the difference has just been insane, as I'm sure most people probably would have guessed. But edge rusher was the biggest. In fact, I had to go back and look at it. I was doing an article uh, that will actually be posted as, as listeners are, are listening to this. Uh, but uh, when I was doing the article, I realized that when I actually sent that tweet out, I'd actually done through week 10 last year, which was actually only nine weeks because they had their buy earlier a season ago. So I redid the numbers a little bit. The edge rusher position up 37.05 points, uh, which is a mm-hmm. massive turnaround, just a, a yeah. insanely massive turnaround. Uh, the safety position up 15.75 points and the offensive guard position ended up 
with a plus 20.5 points. So three positions that completely, absolutely transformed the shape of this football team and really the biggest difference as to why they're 8-2 and two this season and were on their way to firing their head coach around this time a season ago. Yeah, I remember you came on, uh, I can't remember if it was the preseason or um, b- before the season, if it was the spring, but we talked about Byron Bell and it was like, even if like the gap between him and a replacement level player was so big that even just getting, you know, almost anyone in there would be a massive upgrade. And and even though Billy Turner, I, I don't think he's been great. Um, we, you know, we appreciate him coming on Locked on Packers and sharing his story, but he has been such a big upgrade over Byron Bow. I, for whatever reason, I you know I think we get lost in the David Bakhtiari and the Brian Bulaga stuff, but this offensive line really has played well, and he uh, your grades I think reflect it. The, the the upgrade there has been huge. Well, you look at it this way: uh, Byron Bell at this point last year through ten weeks uh, was negative eleven point two five. Uh, Billy Turner so far this year is a positive 0.7. Now that's a basically a net neutral player. Now that is exactly what they paid for. They knew what they were getting. You have a really mm-hmm. solid right guard who is not spectacular. He's going to have two or three lapses per game. That's going to hurt you. He also usually has one or two really big blocks that are usually kind of the more impressive blocks of the game, uh, just because of his, his strength and his athleticism. But th- that's exactly what they were getting. But you look at it this way. The difference there from 0.7 uh, to what, negative 11.25, that's an 11.75-ish difference. David Bakhtiari last year was basically a plus 10.45, an all-pro left tackle with a (laughs) 10.45. So Billy Turner is not playing at a all-pro level, but that is the difference basically between going Mm -hmm. from Byron Bell to Billy Turner is almost like adding an all-pro to your team because Byron Bell struggled that much and Billy Turner's been so consistent, even if not spectacular. Yeah, and and on the other side, I mean, I, I don't want to, I don't want to get too bogged down into offensive line play because I know it's not everyone's favorite topic. But as I have watched Elton Jenkins, it, it is hard not to be impressed with what we've seen from him as a rookie. Uh, I mean, as someone who is going back and grading every snap, have have you been maybe even you know we we know he was good, but have you been even surprised at how good he's been? Oh, for sure. And simply because, you know, rookie offensive linemen just don't come in and plug and play at the level that Jenkins has been at. Uh, he's already my second highest rated offensive lineman on this team so far this year behind Corey wow. Lindsley. And uh, I don't think it's necessarily hyperbole to say that he's really close to playing at a uh, almost a Pro Bowl level if he's not already. And and I think Matt LaFleur hit on this today. I was actually on a radio show last week and I had mentioned how special that he is, that he can play and actually mentioned in my podcast yesterday as well, how special it is that he's not only a strong pass protector, but that he's so agile in the run game. And Matt LaFleur echoed those sentiments today. Not that he was listening to me, of course, but uh, he basically said the same thing uh, in the fact that he's been so good, not only as a pass protector, but in the run game from a pass pro standpoint, he is so powerful and so strong that if you almost, uh, it's almost to the extent that if you don't beat him with your first move, it's kind of over because if he gets his hands on you, gets them inside, he's so strong. He anchors so well that you're not going anywhere. It's like, you might as well be stuck in quicksand and you guys are just staying in that exact same spot. So you better win right away. And there's definitely players like that throughout the course of the league that have that ability, that strength, but a lot of them are really big physical players, maybe more likely to get beat on that first 
step, which Jenkins isn't, and usually not quite as agile in the in the run game to be able to maybe play a zone stretch offense to, to get to mm-hmm. that point where you need to, to get to the second level uh, up on the linebackers, and certainly not to get 30, 40 yards downfield, which he's done on multiple occasions on screen plays. So he's just the total package. He's so good already, at, at the, even in his rookie season. And, uh, you know, Brian Gutekunst, for all he's done this offseason, getting him in the second round may have been uh, his second best move <laughs> because I'm not going to put him over Sedarius at this point. Yeah. Matt LaFleur, definitely a Locked on Packers listener, not a Pack-A-Day podcast listener. Oh, shit, uh, <laughs> uh, I'm wondering about the secondary because I think that that is something that has been the consternation of a lot of fans. Uh, Darnell Savage, you mentioned in a in another tweet that that he's actually been trending down a little bit of late. What are you seeing when you look at the secondary? Yeah, so Darnell Savage will start there first of all. Uh, started really well, had three games graded well into the positive as he started off the season, and I thought he kicked things off really well. He did have uh, the missed tackle in the open field on on Delvin Cook in week two that hurt him, but I thought really that was kind of his, his main error through three weeks. He came back in weeks four and five, had had negative grades in each, but it wasn't necessarily anything egregious. Uh, then was out for two weeks, and then the last three weeks is really where he's, he's kind of struggled. So you're, you're kind of hoping that maybe it's just coming back from injury. The, the thing that I'll say about Darnell Savage is he does everything at a million miles per hour, which is, if nothing else, refreshing. Um, coming from a, a safety group mm-hmm. that kind of played things a little bit more passive from from year to year, uh, seeing him kind of play things at a million miles an hour is nice. He's he's going to learn over time. What is he like, 20, 21 years? He's still really, really young. Um, mm-hmm. You know, so he's going to learn those things over time. And I think pairing him with Adrian Amos is, is really a fantastic pairing. And I think he's just going to have to learn, you know, when he can kind of come up and attack things at that pace and when he kind of needs to throttle down and, and maybe play a little bit more under control. Um, overall, the, the talent is uh, absolutely there. He needs to wrap up tackle just a little bit better. And that was certainly something that plagued him in college as well. But Green Bay has a really, really good player. He's just kind of learning the nuances on the fly. And I think that the, those ups and downs are going to be things that you see throughout the course of the season. My guess is it's going to course correct itself a little bit. And while he's going to make some of those mistakes, I think you're also going to start seeing some big plays out of him as well, just because he he does play things so aggressively. Um, Amos has been really good. He's been my third rated defensive player so far. Tremont's graded in the positive. Jair's graded in the positive, but he's he's also kind of trended down a little bit. Uh, first five-ish games of the season, uh, he was really playing at a all-pro slash Pro Bowl kind of you know level. Uh, three out of the last four weeks, he's graded uh, in the negative for me. So he's been a little bit on a, a downward slope. And then I think Kevin King is is probably exactly what fans expect him. You know, he has his ups, he has his downs. I think really the thing that needs to be remembered at corner, especially with King and Alexander, those two are going to be left on an island quite a bit. And they're, they're going to get beat from time to time. There's some really good receivers. Uh, I think they both have things that they can clean up. Um, but I don't think that either of them are playing uh, poorly. I just think that, uh, you know, King's a, a number two corner, Jair's a number one. And I think the hope is that, King can at some point play at a number one level and that Jair can at some point play at an all pro level. Neither of them are there quite yet, but they both show the potential to be that. I, I just think, uh, you know, they, they both have some weaknesses in their game that they still need to clean up. 
Yeah, Darnell Savage, 22 years old. Jair Alexander, also 22 years yeah. old. Each will turn 23 this offseason. So to your point, I mean, young players are going to be inconsistent. That's, you know, even good young players are inconsistent. All right, we're going to get back to Andy in just a second. But before we do, a reminder to treat yourself to the meal you deserve and have your favorite restaurants come to you with DoorDash. Right now, our listeners can get $5 off their first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter promo code Locked On. Listening on the go? If you can't visit DoorDash right now, you can find this and all others from Locked On Sponsors at LockedOnPodcasts.com slash offers. Treat yourself to the meal you deserve and have your favorite restaurant come to you with DoorDash. All right, back to Andy. And and I think speaking of that, you know, there's been a lot of discussion about the receiver position and, you know, Green Bay's improvement or or lack thereof at the position. I have really liked what I've seen from Alan Lazard, uh, friend of the show, and I, I'm wondering what you're seeing when you're when you're grading out these receivers because it can be hard sometimes. You know, fans just watching the TV copy, not you know combing through the all 22 to see who's open and who's not. The TV copy is often a liar when it comes to stuff like that. Yeah, and so are the announcers. By the way, they'll say stuff like, "Oh, well, no one was open." It's like, well, actually. Yeah, exactly. And and very, very true. And I think what you have right now uh, with this receiving core is, of course, you're going to have Devante, who's going to be your playmaker going forward. He's going to be the alpha. And then I think you have a lot of guys who can kind of fit some specific roles. And I think that's okay right now. And I I do agree with you. Alan Lazard, certainly for me, has been the the second best receiver that I've graded so far this season. Um, He's, you know, frankly, not that far behind Devante Adams. That's more due to Adams not playing uh, than it is the the talent between the two. But uh, he's played really good football. And I think one of the things that's undervalued with Lazard right now is he's a really good run blocker as well. So uh, that's Mm going to be something that really helps him get on the field even more um, is that ability. I thought this last game uh, where Green Bay ran the ball so well, one of the really unique things against Carolina was just how everyone was so involved in that game. I thought Lazard blocked well. I thought Kumaro blocked really well in that game. Mercedes Lewis looked like an offensive lineman. The offensive line blocked great. And then I thought Williams and Jones both did well with uh, you know the, the creases that were given to them. So that was a total team effort. And I think you're starting to see Lazard and Kumaro really find their, their niche uh, in, in that blocking role. But I also think, you know, Lazard shows uh, has shown some ability down the field. He's shown some playmaking ability. And I legitimately think he's the, the second best receiver on this team right now. But then you kind of go past that. I think MVS is going to be kind of your deep ball shot, you know, play type of player. I think he's still coming back from injury. I'm hoping that the bye kind of gets him back on track and, and hopefully he can start making some of those explosive plays again. Um, I think Jay Kumaro is the best uh, route runner of the next group. Um, and I think, you know, if you need a, a scroll route that gives you a little bit more time to develop, maybe you're keeping in seven or eight guys to block and you're giving your receivers a little bit more time to develop their routes. I think Jake Kumaro can really be used in that regards. And again, he's he's done well from a run blocking standpoint. The one player I've struggled with is, is Geronimo Allison, and he is my lowest mm-hmm. graded player on the entire team so far. It's not egregiously bad. It's not Byron Bell bad, um, but I just haven't seen anything that's really been um, something that I can look at Allison, save for the, the end of the first half against uh, Philadelphia where he had the back-to-back big catches, uh, including the touchdown. That was about his one saving grace. Everything else, he's had some drops. He's had some uh, inability to get yards after the catch. So th- that's the one player that I think needs to step up and play better, or I- I'm not exactly sure why he's maybe getting the snaps that he's getting at this point. And please kill the jet sweep with Geronimo Allison with absolute fire. You know, just 
that, shoot it to the moon. That's one of the really interesting things that I've seen that's maybe been a little bit disappointing with Matt LaFleur is some of the the things that he does, it doesn't always necessarily seem to be the most advantageous for the players that are on the field. He'll use jet sweeps with Lazard or, you know, Geronimo Allison or Jay Kumaro, players that you wouldn't, you know, normal or even fake jet sweeps to those players and, you know, players that wouldn't really draw attention in that scenario. There was another situation a couple weeks ago where they're running a bubble screen with Devontae Adams as the lead blocker. And Adams is by far and away the worst blocker of the receiver group, which when you're Devontae Adams doesn't really matter, but you also have to make sure that you're not putting him in positions where he's got to be the lead blocker and the play got blown up and it was for a loss. So there are a few situations and scenarios with his receivers specifically, and maybe that's a receiving coach thing. Maybe that's, I don't know, but that's been one of the weird oddities is that I'd like to see you know, if it's a fake jet sweep, I would like to see MVS be in there so that you're actually drawing some attention from the defense. If it's a, a player that... Or Devontae Adams. Or Devontae Adams. If it's a blocker, you know, put Alan Lazard or Geronimo Allison out there or even, uh, uh, you know, Kumaro or someone that can actually block a little bit better than a Devontae Adams. So I just think those things need to get cleaned up just a little bit. Yeah, and you wonder if that's the kind of thing that that comes up in a self scout. That's why you do a self scout. If you're gonna if you're gonna look at one place on this team uh, that that has not been great, but that you think could be that that is a place where they could improve, and and that if they do improve there, it is the thing that makes this team, you know, a Super Bowl caliber team. Where is that? Unequivocally, the defensive line. I, I think that's the position that. Uh, really has, you know, changed the most in the negative. You know, we talked about some of those groups that have gone up and, and really been high performers. Well, the defense has gone 20, down 20.4 points uh, from last year to this year. And Oof. a big piece of that is, is what's being asked of them. You know, I think last season they didn't have any edge rushers. So a lot of times Mike Patton was setting up Mike Daniels and Kenny Clark to kind of be the guys that would uh, be the focal point of, of the pass rush and would get maybe some one-on-ones. Well, this year that's kind of Zedarius and Press. And, and, you know, he's really focusing on getting them the matchups that are most advantageous. And the defensive line is also set up so that they really try to keep Blake Martinez and usually a safety uh, clean so that those guys aren't bombarded by 300-pound offensive linemen. So they're doing a ton of grunt work, and they're not getting much of the glory. Now, a part of that comes into my evaluation when I'm grading them. If they're getting double teamed, I'm not expecting them to, to you know, shatter a double team and go make plays. I'm not downgrading them for that. Uh, but it, it, what it does mean is that they're not getting the opportunities to make some of the splash plays that would get them maybe some big positives on the scorecard. So I don't necessarily think that they're playing terrible, uh, but I do think there's an area for, for growth and opportunity there. And I think Dean Lowry, Tyler Lancaster, Kenny Clark, I think that entire group has the ability to play better. I've even liked what I've seen out of Kingsley Kiki. So I, I like that group. I think that group is talented and I, I do think that they have the ability to play better. And if they can, I think that frees up the, your, your Ibrahim Campbells and your Blake Martinez. I think that makes Preston and Zedarius better. And if you're stopping the run and, and really kind of controlling that aspect of it, you're going to start getting more in some second and third longs in, in long situations. And that's really where this defense and Mike Patton, you know, really make their money. So if you can get that aspect of this team going, I think you're going to see that that time of possession for opposing teams go down the offensive efficiency that the opposing teams have had 
go down. Um, before this week, I know Green Bay was in the bottom seven in yards per run, yards per pass, first downs, and total yards per play. Um, so I think that, that that offensive efficiency that teams are seeing, a big reason for that is, is early success on early downs. And I think if the defensive line can play better, it goes a huge, huge way in, in solving a lot of those problems. Yeah, early down success was a big problem for this defense last year. But Kenny Clark has played better the last few weeks, and, and hopefully getting him healthy over the bye week is something that will catapult him forward. Andy, always a pleasure to have you on. Let my listeners know where they can find the work that you are doing because it is a lot of places. Yeah, you can uh, find me at Packer Report uh, where I'm a writer and editor there. Uh, you and me actually have to be teammates now, which is really disadvantageous. We work much better as enemies, uh, podcast enemies at least. But it's very distressing. Very, very much so. But uh, you can find both of our work there. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Andy Herman NFL. And uh, of course, you can find me on the Packaday podcast as well. I, I could I could throw some jabs in, but uh, this has been a pleasure as always, Peter. I appreciate it. And Packer Report, if if you're not a subscriber, go do that. And and it's like J. Crew. You can always find a sale. It is you never have to pay full price for it, basically. We're always running a promo of some kind, pretty much. So Absolutely. go check that out. Andy, uh, I appreciate you taking the time. Thanks so much for having me as always, Peter. Have a good one. All right. I want to thank Andy again for joining the show. Uh, always great to to talk to him. And we'll be here tomorrow, crossover Wednesday, our scouting report on Thursday, and then our live show on Friday on Periscope. That is at 4 Central, 5 Eastern. Be sure to be checking that out. Easiest way to find that is follow me on Twitter at Peter underscore Bukowski. Follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked on Packers. Would also be great if you subscribed. Would help us out. Uh, subscribe on iTunes, uh, your, your favorite podcast provider. We're there. Check us out. And if, if you like what we're doing, Share an episode. I, I tweet out links. Use that megaphone link and, and share with your friends. Post it on Facebook. Post it on Twitter. And let other people know that they should be listening to Locked on Packers. We are bringing it back. Tell a friend Tuesday. We had to make a friend Monday. Let's tell a friend Tuesday. And uh, if you if you tweet at the podcast and let me know that you told someone, uh, you need a retweet. That's just free retweet. It's great. You want to get your follower count up? Get that retweet. I'm, I'm bribing you to tell someone about this show. And and I don't have any shame about it. I really don't. <laughs> Anytime you want to hit us up on the Logs on Packers fan hotline, you can do that, 920-341-3775. Less, less texts this year than last year because it, there are a lot fewer angry Packer fans. Tell me why you're happy with this team. Let's do that. Tell me what you're, you're feeling Tell me what you are impressed by, what you're excited about with this team. I get so many negative messages. Tell me what you're happy about. The Packers are 8-2. They have a huge game on Sunday. Be excited. Get excited. Tell me why you're excited and stay locked on Packers. Packers.